Welcome to Education Beyond the Classroom. I'm Allison Schaefer and I'll be your host for the next 20 to 30 minutes. We are so lucky today. We have a special guest with us. We have Miss Michelle Cullman, who will be sharing her message with us today. Michelle is a former publisher and co-owner of Brava Magazine and current owner of Played Again Sports. She has a son, Ross, who is second lieutenant in the Air Force, and a son, Cade, who lost his life to fentanyl poisoning a year ago. And that's the reason we're here. And I speak as though Cade's here with us because we talked about how, you know what, he's always here. And when you make your decisions and things that you do, he is a shining light with your decisions. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. For being here, and I appreciate you so much. So um, I'm going to interject and share a little bit about Cade. I actually was extremely fortunate. I was one of his teachers at, in during his high school career. Um, I was his health sophomore health teacher and junior-senior advanced health teacher. And that young man, when he... I'm going to tear up, too. He would walk in the classroom. You knew he was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sure, he had a little mischief and stuff and would do things um, that would be, you know, as a teacher, some people would get frustrated, but it was it was funny. It made kids laugh, and he would always leave us chuckling. Mm -hmm. And um, he is definitely here and present with us right now, and he cared so much about everybody yeah. that he came in touch with. And we just alluded to the fact that at the high school, he is definitely a legend. Yeah. He has um, left his footprints on many people's hearts, and we appreciate him and his life and um, you being here with us and sharing his story. So I have to tell you a quick story about this because it was like when Cade was working at um, it, what local? Boston's Boston's Pizza. Boston's Pizza. I went in there and um, he was kind of talking and talking and was coming up. He was a waiter there. And all of a sudden he came up to my table and it was with someone. And uh, he looked and he goes, oh, well, hello, Miss Schaefer. And his persona became this wonderful young gentleman. Like, what would you like today? And he just completely <laughs> Very professional. Yes, yeah. switched gears and um, just appreciated all the time that we did have with him yeah. and I know you do too so I am going to ask you Michelle can you share a little bit about his life and because I only had him for a little bit and you had him for 18 years 18 yeah. and three quarters years correct yeah yeah oh, yeah just shy of 19 yeah um yeah as you alluded to Kate was very spirited from the get-go and um from the very first parent-teacher conference I had with um a teacher in kindergarten it was Kate likes to be very social and um, we heard that every single parent-teacher conference <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> so Cade loved people. He loved talking to people. He was one of the most outgoing social people you could possibly meet. And he could make friends with everybody. And, you know, the kids, his friends are telling me about how they would go to Target. And he would strike up conversations with the clerks and tell them about playing against sports and tell them to come and shop there. <laughs> yes. And tell him to have a great day and he just he really left his mark on people 
He did. And, you know, he he was an athlete. He played uh, tackle football from fourth grade up until freshman year of high school. And he was a wrestler, loved wrestling. Uh, Ross, his older brother, played tennis and got him into the tennis. So oh, they played on the nice. tennis team together. Freshman, nice. Kate was a freshman and, and Ross was a senior. And Kate just loved people. And he would tell everybody he loved them. And all of our family just talks about how Cade did such a great job of talking, uh, telling his grandparents he loved them and, and giving the best hugs. And he just, he, he was a light. He, he just was a big ball of energy and light. And you know what? And we still feel his light. Yeah. And I know you probably feel that every single day. So Yeah, I wish I felt it more. <laughs> I know. And we have to do our little virtual mm-hmm. hugs here and there and yeah. feel like he's in our presence. So since Cade's passing, um, you, admirably so, have been involved with many different avenues to help raise awareness about fentanyl poisoning. Can you share... Some of the things that have been, you were going to share the, the positive too, but what's been frustrating? Because I, I know viewers and listeners, you are aware of, you know, the fentanyl poisoning and what's going on. Um, what has been frustrating though in this journey? Yeah. Well, and just to back up to tell a little bit more of his story is yes. that Cade took, well, and, I, and I didn't even know that he was actively Okay. participating in any drug use he I knew he dabbled a little bit back in in high school around sophomore year and um, but then he got clean and I, I thought we were good I thought I was sending him off to college last fall at UW-Milwaukee that he was doing great I knew he was drinking a little bit but most kids do mm-hmm. at that age and it was nothing alarming he right. could control himself he wasn't binge drinking like it, I thought we were in a, a really really good place right so when I got that phone call that Kate OD'd, I just, it, it made absolutely no sense to me because he knew better and there's no way he would have taken too much of something. So, and I had never even heard of fentanyl. I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So what I came to learn was that um, what he took was he thought it was a Percocet pill, but it was a fake prescription pill to look like a Percocet and it was mm-hmm. 100% fentanyl. Oh, it was a hundred percent. It was uh, there was no oxycodone. Oh in that. no! Yeah. Okay. So, so all of a sudden, like, what? What is this? And yep. so then, shortly after we lost Cade, the news started coming out that there was a hundred thousand overdose deaths in the last year, and seventy percent of those are actually from fentanyl. And then I started hearing this word poisoning, and this is what I've been trying to educate mm-hmm. everybody about is. You don't overdose from taking one Percocet pill or one Xanax. Right. And what's happening is that these drug cartels are putting uh, fentanyl in these pills because it's so highly addictive. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to create these repeat customers. And so these kids are being poisoned. Kids and young adults are being poisoned at alarming numbers because they're taking something that they think is one thing, but it's not. It's got fentanyl in it. So... I've been thrown into this world and into these Facebook groups of all these parents who have lost their kids to these fentanyl poisonings. And so I see it every day. And uh, what has been the most frustrating to me is that I know that we've got kids that are dying at alarming rates. Absolutely. And I can't, it's been so hard to get people to listen and to wake up and to understand the severity of this issue that kids are dying at alarming rates. And 
there's not enough proactive prevention happening yep. and we're being so reactive to it and I feel that this is th- this is now the number one cause of death among 18 to 45 year olds and I can guarantee it is going to be for teens with the next time the numbers are absolutely released. and the fact that we have spent so much time talking about COVID and yes COVID is horrible and it has taken so many lives But now we've got all these people dying in that 18 to 45 year old and younger range. I feel that this needs to have the same type of PSA messaging that COVID did and that this should be a household discussion that everybody knows that fake pills exist, that it's in marijuana, that it's in everything and you don't take anything that is not prescribed by a doctor. So we need to be, as a society, a little bit more proactive with raising the more awareness and saying, hey, what are some things that we can do to get this information out there? Because not everybody's reading the news. No. So having, you know, going into the schools, and I know we're going to get to that, and maybe informing, I just read an article about, we need to start touching base with our younger kids about this. Yeah. And it's like... And I know um, I have often said it's not to scare, but to raise awareness. Right. Because us adults, we're the ones who need to help our kids with that. So I understand the frustration with that. And as you went through this journey, what are some things that... um, Some things that you saw the light on. So, you know, you had Cade there saying, hey, we're actually making a little bit more progress. Yeah, there's a little bit more work to do, which we will address. But what are some things that you said, hey, we actually are doing something. So what do you think? So I guess one of the things that has happened that has been really powerful is connecting with other parents who have also lost their kids to this poison. And the energy that we've created. So I really feel like our kids are up in heaven. <laughs> like, yes. okay, you need to like try to make connections. And, and yes. <laughs> because we're the ones that are screaming from the rooftops. We are the ones that are in so much pain. And all we want to do is stop this from happening so other parents don't have to live this nightmare that we are living and to give our kids passing a purpose that we're saving lives in their names. So the work that's being done with these other parents has been impactful. So For instance, um, shortly after I lost Cade, I found out there was some parents that reached out to me from Mm -hmm. um, Pewaukee who lost their son in the same dorm room, (gasps) not the same dorm room, the same dorm in Milwaukee nine months prior. Okay. And the school had done nothing about it after Logan died. So then the power of us working together to say, look at, this is not a one-off incident. This is happening. This is happening Mm -hmm. in our schools. This is happening on college campuses. So one of the things that we did is we got a meeting with Tommy Thompson when he was the president of the UW system. Okay. And he was interim president. We told Kate and Logan stories, and we asked him to mandate Narcan in all residence halls throughout the whole UW system. And on March 10th, he sent out a letter to all the chancellors, and he didn't mandate it, but he strongly encouraged them to install these Narcan rescue kits in the dorms. And also to uh, unroll this um, awareness campaign about fentanyl. And all college campuses now throughout the UW system are getting these boxes installed, except for apparently two, um, Platteville okay. and and Superior, who apparently say they don't have a problem on their campus. Yeah. Um, um, but we know this is everywhere. Yeah. So, um, it is. 
Yeah, so I've heard Platteville might be succumbing to some pressure and, and installing the boxes also. So that's been a huge win, is getting that accomplished, because that will save lives. That would, Absolutely. Have saved, it, that would have saved Kate's life. If there was Narcan and the kids knew about it, that would have saved his life. Absolutely, and I know there's, there's a couple things we talked about yesterday as we prepared for this, and you gave me a, a statistic, a number about how many kids... How many people their lives could have been of uh, saved? Yes. If they would have had Narcan, and then it answered that one. But also, it's like, what is Narcan? What's in these Narcan kits? So yeah. we'll talk talk a little bit about that. Okay. So for the first question, I've seen yes. two different studies on this. One said um, one in three, and the other one said forty percent of drug deaths have a bystander that could have intervened. So. I see two problems of why people don't intervene and help somebody who is having an overdose. Is one is lack of awareness, mm -hmm. is they don't know the signs of what a, a drug overdose or a fentanyl poisoning looks like. Yep. And they think that they're just sleeping. And one of the telltale signs of uh, fentanyl poisoning is that they get this deep snoring sound, and it's when their breathing is shutting down. But people might think that they're just having this oh. funny snoring sound. Okay. And um, so, but, you know, there's a lack of being responsive. You're supposed to rub their sternum to see if they'll wake up. If they do not wake up when you rub their sternum, you need to call 911 immediately. Okay. Oh, thank you for sharing that. We, I don't think a lot of people know about that. I, I didn't know that until no. I went through the Narcan right. training. Um, so we can talk more about the signs of a drug overdose, but I want to finish answering the question is Sorry. that... Um, the other thing is that people are afraid to call because they're afraid of getting the person in trouble or getting themselves in trouble if they've been using also. And there are Good Samaritan laws that protect people from getting in trouble if you call somebody, call 911 for somebody mm -hmm. who's in distress. So I would much rather have people err on the side of caution of like, this person could die if I don't call 911 versus worrying about getting in trouble. Because if that person is dead, you can't, there's... It, it, it's yes. Hurt, right. Ugh. So I know we had talked about that. Yes, that is so true. Yeah, and then and as far as Narcan, Narcan, all it is, it's it's a nasal spray, and it is very easy to administer, and all, it, what it does is it stops. It and it only works on opioid. If somebody's taken an opioid drug, okay. so it stops the opioid from attaching to the opioid receptors, and it stops it from shutting down your breathing. And if you administer Narcan to somebody who did not need it, who did not, who's not overdosing from an opioid, it does nothing. The training that I went to, they actually administered the Narcan on somebody to show oh. how it is harmless um, if you did not take an opioid, because all it does is reverse that effect of the opioid on your brain. Wow, I had no idea about that. Thank you for yes. sharing that, because that was just, that's interesting. And I know Narcan, we talk about it and having the availability of it. Um, and it is available. at. It, you can go to a pharmacy. There's okay. a standing order that you do not need a prescription for it. And most health insurances will cover the cost of it. So anybody can go to a pharmacy and get, a, get Narcan and carry it on you. Okay. And for parents of teens, I was gonna say, I, yep. you may think that your kid is never going to do drugs, but in today's day and age, you just don't know. They don't, might not even know it's a drug. It might be a Adderall that they think they're taking that they think is no big deal because half their friends are taking Adderall. So if you have teens that hang out at your house, I highly recommend 
having some Narcan on hand. Absolutely. It's like having a fire extinguisher. Just have it on hand. What a perfect analogy. Have that on hand. If the kids are getting together, middle school kids, high school kids, you have that Narcan in your house, it may not be your child. Exactly. And the other thing is what's going on with some of the pills, and we'll address that, you know, what they're, you know, disguised as. Yeah. That is a little bit frightening in itself. Yeah, it's incredibly frightening. Yes. Because, yeah, it's, um, well, took what he thought was a Percocet. It's stamped with the M30 on it to look just like a Percocet. The administrator for the DEA says that her experts cannot tell the difference between a real and a fake without testing it. So it's highly deceptive, but they're putting it now in Adderall and Xanax and um, the Percocets, oxycodone. Um, it's in ecstasy, which is a party drug. It's in cocaine. It's now being found in marijuana and even in vape cartridges. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the harder things like heroin and meth and all. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much in everything that they're finding now and if it's not enough to kill you it will get you highly addicted because it's 50 times more addictive than heroin absolutely and i appreciate you sharing that and i know um we had talked yesterday about the rainbow colored the rain yes yeah Yeah. and um i know again just raising awareness about making sure like it could look like candy and the the drug cartel, you know, from Mexico, we know we had talked talked about like the supply coming from China, then to Mexico and Mexico over the border, and they're disguising it, and they want to get our younger kids addicted. addicted. Yeah. So why not market and say, hey, these look like Skittles or Nerds or whatever type of candy. So just being careful with that as well. And just there's a question that comes up a lot. People always ask, but why would they why would they want to kill their customers? And here's the answer to that. And this is straight from the DEA administrator, too, is that they just want to get people addicted which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's collateral damage of so many people dying, they're making so much money in the meantime because mm-hmm. fentanyl is a synthetic drug. So they don't need to grow, like most opioids you have to grow a poppy field for. This is synthetic. It's been made with cheap chemicals that come from China in underground labs. They can crank out these pills so cheap and they can make so much money. So they've got some people that die. There's so many more people that are out there. They're targeting these kids on Snapchat. Um, there's this Dr. Laura Berman, who was one of Oprah's um, mm-hmm. people, and her son during the shutdown of the pandemic, she thinks he's safe at home. He gets on Snapchat, orders a drug, dies in their house. The drug got delivered to their house after they were sleeping, and I can't remember. He was either a Percocet or a fake Xanax and died right under their nose. We Oh, boy. We need to raise more awareness about the social media connect yes. and sharing a little bit more about that. We might have to do another episode about yeah, this because actually, that, the social media. The DEA oh. on their website, it's if you Google search DEA, one pill can kill. Mm-hmm. They have on there the entire emoji code uh, for Snapchat okay. of what the drug dealers use to target the kids for different drugs. Oh my goodness. And I, I'm, that's something I'm going to research for sure because I didn't know about that. And they do. It's almost like they have their own private 
um, language, so to speak, it is. that they yep. can connect and sell online, and that gets to be a little bit scary. Um, so raising more awareness, like the parents, making sure they connect with that as well mm -hmm. and know what's going on. So moving on to this next question. So Brava Magazine published a, a fantastic article mm -hmm. in honor of you and mentioned that um, you had indicated that teens need better coping skills coping mechanisms for personal well-being and learn how to walk away from peer pressure mm -hmm. and those are great points and excellent tools how can we do something like that well i think that it just needs to start at such a young age i feel that um you know today our teens there are so many of them are facing depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and this use of social media and the pressures of social media and trying to be as cute or as active or in the right friend groups puts so much pressure on these kids. So I feel that we need to just be instilling them from a really young age a sense of well-being and, and building up resilience. And, um, you know, things like um, just, you know, being involved in healthy activities mm -hmm. and getting enough sleep and having a solid friend group and having hobbies that you can turn to when you're feeling down and something that's productive like that or learning to meditate or yes. um, being involved in your spiritual life and believing that there's something bigger than just what you're dealing with on a daily basis. Excellent. And meditating and praying. And, you know, there's so many tools that we can be giving these kids. And Kate suffered from some depression, but I always ask him, like, do you feel suicidal? Do you want to hurt yourself? He's like, no. So I just, I, so I think he turned to start using or was susceptible to trying drugs because he mm -hmm. dealt with some depression. He's like, why not? And he was this outgoing, risk-taking kid. So he's like, yeah, sure, I'll try that. Yes, so, and I know, and it's like who you hang out with and stuff as well. But, um, and I appreciate that, and I kind of cut you off, I apologize. But um, being able to say no to that, that is really hard in our society right now. Yeah. So how, I mean, having that strong connection with family and support you guys had that we did that's why like if it's he could like tell me anything yes he told me things i didn't even want to hear about i'm like <laughs> yes. i don't need to know about that but, but he didn't but he kept this secret yes and so it, i think there's yeah. she, like so i don't know it's really hard but he he chose not to walk away and he could have we've we had all those conversations and it is and it's almost i don't i we don't know like the definitive answer keep connected communication you had all of that yeah. um which is fantastic and it's like how can we teach these kids that no it's not you know what i think needs to happen is with them i think fentanyl is such a game changer because it's not the same old of don't do drugs drugs are bad they're going to wreck your life okay now it's now it's don't do drugs because there is a very good chance you're going to die. And if you don't die the first time, you might die the fifth or the sixth or the seventh time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we almost need to have a peer pressure culture shift of, uh, you know, that we start training these kids at such a young age that we have a shift of peer pressure against using drugs. Like, don't I love do that. that. Yes. Why would you do that? Oh, my gosh. Don't you know you can die from that? And that cultural shift needs to happen. And how do you do that? Well, doing things like this, raising awareness with our parents. And I love how you just said, oh, you know what? Earlier, we need to go into the schools 
at an earlier age. Yeah. And you know, and I, have real talk. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I touched on that yesterday and it's like real talk and knowing that this is out in the world. Yes. And I spoke with the kids at Horizon High School who okay. are all in recovery. So it's a recovery high school. Okay. And I showed them the Dead on Arrival video, which I highly recommend. Yes. It's a Dead on Arrival documentary. Okay. Um, and so just Google it. It's on YouTube. I, everybody should watch that. I showed it to them and asked them what they thought about that for prevention. And they said, this is really good, but you need to show it to fourth and fifth graders before they have the opportunity to be exposed to opportunities to use drugs. Because once somebody starts taking a drug, your brain chemistry shifts so much mm-hmm. and you become so addicted that you shut down all normal warnings about safety and protecting yourself. Right. And you think, well, it hasn't happened to me yet. So that happens to other people. It's not going to happen to me because your brain wants you to believe that you need that drug right? and it will not listen to reason. So the key to this is making sure we're getting kids at a really young age before they have that opportunity and that they know the ramifications of what can happen. And sharing that in a real way. And what a great opportunity to go and talk with those kids. And I think kids are our lifeline to making this work. Right. And helping us as well as parents and keep raising awareness. But the kids, if you can get them and have them talk to us, have them talk to you and say, this is what needs to be or needs to happen, then we got to follow through with us. Mm-hmm. And I know there's trepidation within the school that, or any schools that are worried, oh, if you show it at such a young age, they're going to be curious. And No. How you approach it is how it's going to sell it. And I think mm-hmm. you have a great way of approaching it. It's like you just said, you're going to be dead. Mm-hmm. One time is all it takes. Mm-hmm. And you only have this one wonderful life. Right. And our sweet Cade. And it was just that one time and he didn't know. No. And I think and you know, if Cade was, was here, oh. what he would say to kids is, it's not worth it. Whatever you think you're going to get from that use of whatever, that short-term high is so not worth it. He sees the pain that we're all in and his friends. He can see it. And he would never want anybody to go through this. No. So I think he would just say, just don't, don't, don't try it because it is so not worth the road. It'll take you down. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I know, um, you had alluded to, um, Cade and his depression, anxiety. And when he was in my classroom, he shared a little bit about his struggles and I was fortunate to connect to so many kids and it's like, don't be ashamed. Right. Don't be ashamed and right. do not let people dictate you feeling ashamed or powerless over this. Mm-hmm. Reach out and always get that help. Yeah. When you hit that stage of depression, anxiety, because I'm going to tell you through this whole pandemic, our depression and anxiety went up. Our substance abuse went right. up. Yeah. And it's like, what is out there to help us? Yeah. And educating Educating, yeah. And the other thing that I think is really important is that Kate had a couple of friends that knew that he had started taking Percocets again, and mm-hmm. they were really worried about him. And um, kids are afraid. They don't want to get their friends in trouble. Um, so I highly recommend to parents to have this conversation with your kids that if you have a friend that is using drugs, you've got to let an adult know. It, it is 
not worth protecting them because Mm -hmm. the road that they are going down is going to just be horrific and it will very likely lead to death with fentanyl and everything right now. And do not worry about getting your friends into trouble because you will be helping save their life. And I, oh, absolutely. And I know, um, snitches get stitches and people get worried. Stop worrying about that. Right. Do would you rather have your friend be dead or do you want to get them help to get them off of drugs? Yeah. Because it'll come back around where your friend will say, Oh, I think you saved my life. This is just great. Um, you need to help. Yeah. You need to reach out and help, and like she, um, Michelle was saying before about the Good Samaritan law. Mm-hmm. So that in itself is understanding that. Yeah. So some of the signs. Um, first of all, let's let's share a quick story about saving lives because when we were talking yesterday, you had talked about Cade and how when he was a freshman, he stepped up. Oh yeah. And he helped save someone's life and I want people to understand that it's okay to do that yeah he um he had just finished wrestling practice as a freshman I think either freshman or sophomore year and he got down with practice and he saw one of his friends that was like out of his mind he was in trouble um he was incoherent and this friend had was overdosing on Benadryl and Cade called his mom and said your son is here at the school. You need to come and get him right now. He's not doing, he's, he's not okay. And she came and picked him up and took him right to the hospital and called Cade back and said, if you wouldn't have called, he could have died. You saved his life. Oh my gosh. And, um, so yeah, it's so important to not be afraid. Yes. And it not be afraid to do that. And And forget the snitches get stitches because I know I heard that multiple times in school and I'm like, hey. Oh, yeah. Right. And you can, if you're in a school setting, you can also like report it in the an confide, anonymous. Right? And yes. Confide in a counselor. And, and nobody will say anything. If anything, always understand you're saving someone's life. Right. And awareness about oh, the fentanyl, like you said before earlier. It is in so many different products right now. So we have to be careful with that and don't even go down the drug pathway. Mm-hmm. So I know we had talked about like the different generations when right now compared to when you and I were growing up in the pill, the pill consumption. Oh yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, and this is what a lot of the moms and I have been talking about is that pills are so normalized in our society right now. Our kid, This generation has grown up where you, you have a headache, you take an Advil, you have ADD, you take Adderall, you've got pain, you take a pain pill. Like, mm-hmm. there's just, it's been very free-flowing. And so for kids, pills aren't scary, right? So you're at a party. They, yeah, they have no, yeah. Here's a Xanax. Well, you're like, oh, well, I think my mom takes Xanax for depression. or you know, uh, So it's not scary. And they do not know that these are fake pills. They think that probably it came from somebody's prescription. The, 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 yep. They, they're, it's not a scary thing. It's not like somebody saying, here, shoot up some heroin. They'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to do that. But basically, this is heroin times 50 in a pill that they are not afraid of. Oh my gosh. And that, yeah, in itself. Okay, yes. go ahead. And then there's things like you've got these two girls at Ohio State. One was pre-med 
They were studying for final exams. A pre-med student thought she was taking an Adderall. It was a fake, and it was fentanyl, and she died. Um, it It is a whole nother world, and I've had so many friends who, you know, grew up in the 80s and said, oh my gosh, if fentanyl was a thing back then, I would be dead. I tried cocaine. Yeah, I, I didn't, but I have friends that have said, <laughs> yes, I did they cocaine, tried cocaine. I yeah. did this, I did that, and... It, it, there's a good chance they would be dead or end up absolutely like super addicted, right? So well, based on what you said, it's like forty per. Okay, oh no, no, no. There was a different statistic, Michelle. That was about what percentage of fake pills on the street have been a fentanyl to kill you. Forty percent. Forty percent is oh my gosh, because I know forty percent of people could have been saved. So people have to keep that in mind. Yeah, 40% of fake pills have a deadly dose of fentanyl in them. And don't, don't, even, don't even choose to do that. I know um, we had talked a little bit about also um, when people come out of their surgeries. Okay, we have those fake pills out there, but people have surgeries and they go down and they take the pain pills. Mm-hmm. And then the next path is... They do Oxycontin, and if they can't get the Oxy, because then, yeah, what do they go to next? Yeah, so then, you know, then that's the problem. That's with this. I don't know if you've watched Dope Sick, but... Yes, oh my gosh. I highly recommend that for everybody. A- another she, movie, yeah. It just really goes to explain, like, these are people, this isn't a moral failing. These A lot of this addiction is caused by people that were prescribed pain pills by their doctors. And they got hooked and your brain, it's not like you can tell your brain to stop. They they have, their brain chemistry has changed and it's not their fault. So we've got to change the stigma around drug usage. Absolutely. Addiction also, because it treated more like a disease than a moral failing. I think that's perfect. It is a disease. And you, so what happens, like you alluded to in your brain and stuff. So I know from alcohol and I, you know, I've shared with people, it's like, oh boy, I was that binge drinker in college and you get that dopamine high Mm -hmm. and then you want to get that dopamine high again. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to take more drugs. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening with our, you know, kids who are starting with the drugs and stuff and they'll keep reaching for that ultimate high. Right. To get that first high. Yeah. And my understanding, the fentanyl is so strong and the high is so different from it that your brain then, like, it's so hard to get pleasure out of normal things in life because your brain has been taken to this new level. Yes. And so your brain then is always seeking this this level of high that it had experienced and it dulls out the rest of your life. You just can't be happy. Mm. So it's so scary. And that's why it just... I just want nobody to use drugs. I want them to stop coming from Mexico. Yes. So that's beyond my control of what I'm able to do. I've been calling every lawmaker I can make to try and get them to do that. But I can't. That's too big for me to tackle. But what I can do is educate and try and make sure that we educate our kids to just not do this in the first place. And I love that. Yep. That's perfect. Saying that. So um, we're definitely running out of time. I knew we were going to get going on this and it'd be like, we'll keep going. We had a little rough start with me, but that's okay. Um, What is something that you would say besides your last statement, which was great, um, telling our listeners and our viewers, what do you want to say to them? I think the biggest thing is to never say not my child. This 
is affecting people from every demographic, every level of socioeconomic status. And your child may not be the one that takes the drug, but it might be their friend and they can save a life. So I don't want anybody to say, I don't need to talk to my kids about this because it would never happen to them. Again, we need to be treating this like the awareness of COVID and make sure that everybody is aware of this fentanyl that has been a game changer um, in uh, our society and that anybody is susceptible to this. And thank you for sharing that. And I, there's just one more thing I want to share with you. We've had this in the background here, this scene real quick. Yeah. Um, something that Cade yeah. had said, and this is where, I don't know, I get a little teary-eyed. I mean, we can see this wonderful picture of this lovely young man. Um, yeah, so he was, so on, he was on vacation. I got to say this real quick, mm -hmm. and I should have done that before, but oh my gosh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so he was on vacation um, with three girls that were a year older than him. It was their senior trip, and Cade was a junior, and they took him on vacation with them for their senior trip. And they were out in the mountains in Colorado, and... Sid shared this video with me of Cade looking into the camera saying, hey guys, life is short, but be happy, work hard and make your people happy. Oh. And it's so profound and beautiful. And so we put it on t-shirts. I just had silicone wristbands made. Um, uh, and actually like these are just really wonderful words to live by. It is. Yeah. And, and I'm going to reiterate again is guys, life is short. But be happy, work hard, and make your people happy. Yeah. You have a wonderful son. Yeah. You have two wonderful <laughs> boys. And I know Cade is up there, and he's given you the strength to keep going on this. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for sharing your story. And best of luck to yeah, keep going on that you. journey. And I'd like to help you in any way possible to keep this going. So viewers and listeners, go ahead and subscribe to Education Beyond the Classroom. Um, oh, can I share a couple? Yes, um, absolutely. I've got a website. It's oh, yes. Cades, oh, my gosh, yes. Cadeslight.org. C-A-D-E-S-L-I-G-H-T.org. It's got Cades. It's got information about Cade on there and all the work that's being done in his name. Um, and I do have a vision. <laughs> that um, when I get to be with Kate again someday, that he's going to sit me down and he'll be like, Mom, oh my gosh, I got to tell you about all these people's lives that got saved. And he will be able to see the ripple effect of all the lives saved and what everybody went on to go do with their lives because they heard his story. And that's what keeps me going every day instead of being curled up in a ball and is a mess. And, so. that is, and that is powerful. Yeah. And I don't want to start crying right now, so we're going to close out. So I appreciate everybody's time, and thank you, Michelle. And um, everybody, you guys, keep on learning. Yeah. Keep raising awareness about this epidemic. Yeah, it is. It is, and I would consider it a pandemic that's going on right now. And never stop being you, and make sure you stay true to yourself. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Okay, I'm so lucky that I can do this and I can... Okay, I don't know how long we went, but it was probably 40, five minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess it definitely we... was. Well, maybe it's like...